If you're trying to make any kind of meaningful, effective change in your life, well, you have come to the right place because that is what my expert guests and I are here to help you do. Welcome to We're Talking Shift. This is the podcast where all we do is talk shift because when we're stuck and need to rise to a challenge, make a health shift, a relationship or an emotional shift, well, the first thing we have to shift, my friends, is our thinking. That is the antidote to feeling stuck. I'm Lori Bischoff, and I'm so glad you're here. Now, let's get busy. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to, yes, another episode of We're Talking Shift. I think today my show producer, Christy, and I, we're going to roam around the, the realm of mind, body, and spirit health. The health of mind, body, and spirit today. We're just going to see where it takes us. Um, I think we're going to touch on what I call the three pillars of fitness, and we'll talk about self-worth because I'll tell you what, as a coach, that comes up a lot for people. So we're going to dive into that a little bit. Um, And for those of you that are, of course, Miracles fans, uh, we'll touch on that subject a little bit too. I've got some good lines from there that are some of my favorites that uh, have everything to do with what we're talking about. And with We're Talking Shift, the antidote to feeling stuck begins in your mind. So it ties right in. I think you're going to like it. And I am confident that by the end of the episode, you will have some excellent food for thought. Hi, Christy. Hi, Lori. We're minding our mind today, aren't we? We are. We are totally minding our minds. We're going to, you know, this is something that it, you know, I was thinking a lot because I was like, what do I want to talk about today? I had actually a lot of things, but I couldn't land on any one. And then I was trying to like fit them all into one big fat (laughs) conversation. And that just seemed like, you know, way too talk soupy. So (laughs) it's because it's because you know a lot of stuff, Lori. Well, maybe I do. Maybe I do. Maybe I don't know enough. Maybe that's why I had so much stuff coming at me. I don't know. But I finally landed on this and we're just going to have fun and see where it takes us. Um, I just think it's it's a very important subject we can't talk enough about. Um, and it's as a personal performance coach, it's just something that is up for me all the time. It's just part of it's part of my coaching practice. It's part of what I go through with clients. Um, and a lot of people go, well, you know, they're they're confused. I should clarify that for a minute. When they they go, I know what a life coach is. I know what a health right. coach is. But what's a personal performance coach? Do you like teach athlete or coach with athletes or what? No, it's um, I. It, I mean, I, it's not specifically targeting <laughs> athletes. It's not that kind of personal performance coaching. I'm more like having a personal trainer for your life. And so I help my clients make their mental, their emotional, and their wellness muscles stronger and more fit so that they can experience life in ways that make, you know, that feel great to them. So it's about, how do we perform best in all of the main areas of our life so that you know we're living a life that we are comfortable with, that we're happy with, that we find fulfilling? That's what a personal performance coach, in my definition, does. So that's now cool. You're got- kind of like you're you're putting us in the driver's seat. You're sort of the driving instructor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Which is what all good coaches are really doing. They're they're co-piloting, so to speak. Um, 
and the client is absolutely always in the uh, the main pilot seat, or as you say, the driver's seat for sure. So, all right. That being said, um, let's talk about uh, let's talk about mind, spiritual, and, and physical fitness. Um, I think that again one way of achieving and maintaining a a healthy life is to make sure that we are physically emotionally and spiritually fit now spiritually i'm going to qualify that right now that could mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people so it, it could mean um you know your it could mean your relationship with spirit or with god if that's your thing or it could mean your relationship uh, with nature, uh, with life in general, general, it could be, um, it, you could look at it more from an energetic standpoint, your relationship with, because we're all energy, everything's energy and how, how that all fits together, so to speak. So it's a broad, um, use of the term spiritual fitness. Okay. Um, so for optimal health anyway, I, I, I think, um, for us to feel content with our overall state of affairs and feel like we're capable of handling whatever challenges we come up against. And boy, aren't, aren't we all up against a lot of those lately? Uh, it's important to balance or bring into alignment our three pillars. And those are the three main aspects of ourself, our mind and our physical well-being and our spiritual well-being. So our our mind that's our that's our mental state that's our mindset and our emotional states stem from our mental states so that's kind of connected to that so when we talk about our mental state or our mindset it includes our emotional state all right our right. spiritual it's kind state, of like, like which which comes first the thought or the emotion right or like the thing that we think makes us feel the thing or the meaning that we're attaching to it it's all connected yeah. right it's all connected, absolutely, because uh, one is generating the other. So figuring out, you know, what comes first, the chicken or the egg, is important. <laughs> is an important part of that equation, because if you can figure that out and um, understand how to use it effectively, you will then be in control of your emotions rather than a slave to them. So that's yes, that's what that's what we want to hear. Right, we want to be in charge. We, we all like to be in charge. Um, okay, so we've got the three states, right? Our, our mental state, our spiritual state, and our physical state, which is, of course, the state of our physical health. So, I mean, when honestly, whenever I'm working with clients, no matter what the initial reason is for hiring me as their coach, we always get around to at least touching, if not really focusing on all areas and the reason that we don't compartmentalize just one area is because the three areas all um they all affect each other so since they affect each other that means that they can either support and fuel or drain and sabotage the other areas which means um, that you're going to feel the consequences no matter which area is doing the supporting or the sabotaging Makes sense. It it does because I think there's a lot of times where we wonder, right? Like, what's wrong with me? What am I stressing about? Or what is my problem? Uh, so that makes a lot of sense that it could be a combination of things, or we're not looking at. We think that it's one area of our life that's causing issue, but it's really something else. 
Yeah, yeah. So here's here's a couple of examples. Like if we're in emotional turmoil, like our mind is dwelling on whatever is causing us upset, upset, which you know is natural. Um, when when something makes us angry or makes us feel really strongly about something, especially when it's negative, we tend to dwell on it and focus on it, right? Which means um, we are then generating emotions that correspond to that thinking process. And, and so we're feeling, we, we feel crappy. We, we don't feel well, we're angry or we're frustrated or we're stressed or we're in a state of fear or depression or you know any, any one of a, a bunch of negative feelings. So that's a condition then of the mind pillar, all right? Because it's your thinking, it's what you're dwelling on. So how can our, our distressed mind pillar and the resulting emotions affect our physical pillar? Well, if, if even if we're in reasonably decent health, but we have an issue that's really uh, got us upset and angry or frustrated or in a state of fear, what happens? Well, we can engage in negative behavior, like maybe we start making bad eating choices. Um, maybe we start excessive drinking or drug usage, or maybe we start trying to fill a void by um, becoming, um, you know, shopping too much, overspending, or other acts of desperation. So we ask ourselves, does this behavior, you know, typically make us feel better or worse? Does it does it solve anything or is it likely to create more more problems, new problems, right? We usually think in the moment that it's going to be the thing that makes us feel better, right? The ice cream yeah. on the couch or the new yeah. shoes. Yeah, I mean, I'm so convinced in that moment when I'm hitting add to cart <laughs> and yeah, complete yeah. purchase that yeah. it's going to change my life. And Lori, it just never does. You might be onto something here. Well, we, we, we often want to turn to some sort of an outside source to make us feel better. And, you know, sometimes it works for a little while, but when that continues to be our go-to, when we have something going on in our minds and something we can't let go of, and it's, and it's continually making us generating negative emotions, if we don't get to the source of that and sort through it, then we keep going outside looking for ways to make us feel better. Make sense? Mm -hmm. um, so engaging, you know, in, so that's an example of how emotional turmoil, how, how that pillar, our mental pillar can negatively affect our physical pillar. Now, if we, um, if you think about it, if we engage, let's say we engage in any of those behaviors, chances are then also our spiritual pillar is likely to be negatively affected, just like our physical pillar, because, you know, we might think, um, let's, let's say uh, being physically unwell or unhealthy can, uh, can make us start thinking, oh, Maybe there's a weight issue. I'm overweight, nothing ever works. So why should I even keep trying? Um, it doesn't matter because nobody really cares anyway, or my life sucks, people suck, and the universe is conspiring against me. Um, maybe God's punishing me. I mean, we go into this whole, like, I deserve this, or I don't deserve that, or, you know, nothing works. We go into that kind of, that's a spiritual thing. That's like going to the core of, in the essence of, who you are. You know what I mean? Yeah, it really hurts. Like it's icky. Even as you said those things out loud, it's like, oh, we don't want to think those thoughts. We don't want to feel those feelings. It's so hard to get back up again when you're that deep in it. 
Right, right. So I think, um, you know, understanding that that each area affects the other is important because if you are, you know, if, if you are working like crazy on one area and you feel like I have got this 100%, I am so fulfilled and so, you know, uh, at my at my best in this area, that's that's awesome. But if the if the other two are rocky or stressed or the you know the integrity is being compromised in some way, shape, or form, ultimately it you know that one pillar is going to start to shake. All right, so uh, we could um, we can ask ourselves questions. You know me; I'm always what is with my microphone. <laughs> It's drooping a little bit. I think it needs a pep talk. It needs to find out uh, which of its pillars are not, right? are not working for it right now. I know. I know. There's something. Are you, are you, are you lacking in, in some spiritual nourishment there or what is it? <laughs> Sorry about that. Okay. I'm just, yeah, I'm, I'm easily distracted today. I don't know what it is. So I'm, I'm just fair warning right now. This, this could go any which way. I'm just going to say it. All right, well, you, so, do, you do have kind of a lot going on in your life right now, Lori. So it's cool. I do, but you know, probably not any more than anybody else. So I don't know what my excuse is, but I, I don't have one. It just is what it is. We don't need any excuses. Um, Here's some questions. You know, I'm always big on quality questions. So as you're, you know, kind of mulling over this, uh, some questions that we can ask ourselves is, is do I think that the this type of attitude and these types of um, words and thoughts that I'm having, um, are they negatively affecting my whole view of the world, uh, my, my place in the world, uh, my purpose? So again, we always want to come back to something, a reframe. So rather than why is this happening to me, or I don't deserve this, or I suck, or you suck, or, you know, it's not worth it. All of the negative stuff, um, always coming around to the reframe and the quality question. Hmm. What could I, how could I change this? How could I think about this differently? Do those kinds of negative thoughts, you can ask yourself again, promote any joy or hope? Um, do they strengthen your bond, like with any, like your spiritual bond uh, with people in your life? So thinking about is your the thoughts you're dwelling on, the emotions that you're generating, are they are they promoting good things when it comes to the relationships in your life and the other things that are important? Or are they are they actually sabotaging those too? Are they leeching outside of you to sabotage people in your environment? Um, do do the thoughts like those encourage or discourage you to take good and loving care of yourself? Usually not. Usually it's the opposite. It usually makes us want to sabotage ourselves even more. So the point of these examples is basically to, um, to show you that if all three of our pillars are not healthy and fit, we can end up sabotaging ourselves if we hit a speed bump in any one of them. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's talk about our inner world and our outer world. You and mean the one that we create in our mind, Lori? <laughs> that one, one? The one, yeah. I mean, it. that is, your mind is your inner world, really. 
I mean, so your outer world is everything from your body on out. That means your physical body, the uh, the environments that you spend most of your time in, like your home or if you go to work, um, your outer world also includes your significant relationships in your life. Everything that is matter, that's your body on out, that's your outer world. Your inner world includes your mind. It's your mental and emotional states. And it's also your spiritual state. It's the non-physical aspects of your life, like your beliefs about yourself, your sense of self-worth, uh, your religion, if you have one, or your relationship with God or the universe, if you have one. So when you break it down this way, it's easier to see how how what's going on inside of us in our inner world affects what's going on in our outer world. It's a reflection. The outer world is a reflection of our inner world. And therefore, it can be a clue as to what our deepest beliefs about ourselves are, especially if you can't, if you're, you're not sure how, if you're like, I don't know why, you know, this keeps showing up in my life or my world. Well, there's maybe something in your inner world, in your belief system um, that you haven't become aware of yet that, that needs to be brought up and investigated because it's showing up out there. See what I'm saying? Yeah. This reminds me of something uh, your guest, John Morris said a few weeks ago that like, mm -hmm. if you are manifesting it, if you're experiencing it, you manifested it. Like you made it happen with your mind in your external world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, that's pretty much it in a nutshell. I mean, there's there's a lot of layers to that, but absolutely, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Okay, so this is something that I see all the time. Let's say that it's important to you to uh, to organize your home and make it a comfortable, wonderful sanctuary, a place that you love to live, that you can't wait to get home to, but your home happens to be an unorganized disaster. All right. Now you keep procrastinating and I didn't mean you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, uh, I, saw, I, I didn't I was like, think that you did just because you've never been to my house. But, right, but right. That is one miss. I will admit to a lot of things, but I do keep a fairly neat house. Yeah. Yeah. So no, I, I do me. too. I do too. <laughs> but, uh, but I know of a lot of people I've worked with clients on this who say that they, they want that. They dream about that but somehow it never happens. It's, it's an unorganized disaster. So, you know, you keep, you keep procrastinating, you keep putting, uh, putting off creating this environment that, that you're content with something that makes you feel good, your outer world. Well, chances are that how you might feel on the inside, like maybe inside, you feel unorganized with regards to your priorities um, and thinking that, you know, you'll get to things that are really important to you after this next thing or someday in the future. Like I'll, I'll clean and organize my house next weekend or I'll start my diet tomorrow or I'll start exercising next Monday. I'll take that much needed vacation next year. 
So yeah, because then I'll have the time to plan for it and make sure I have all the things and have all my excuses together for when I don't get it done. <laughs> right, right. So there you go. If that's the mindset, then it's no wonder that your external world or your environment is a reflection of that. It's not happening out there because something's not happening in here. I mean, let's take it a step further. If, if, if you're somebody that chooses to stay in a bad relationship or even an abusive relationship, which is your outer world, what does that say about your sense of self-worth? That's your inner world. So it's something that's really interesting to think about. Um, and since we brought up self-worth, let's talk about that for a minute. Let's define it first. So yeah. the, the dictionary actually defines it as the, the sense of one's own value or worth as a person. It's self-esteem, it's self-respect, it's self-approval. Notice that the, the definitions do not include your value as defined by somebody else. It doesn't have anything to do with what any other person may think of you, um, whether you, um, whether or not they approve of you, um, or if they feel you add any value to their life. Self-worth is only about how you value yourself. And that's, a, that's a big one. I mean, it always is, it, it always is to some degree for not all, but most people, a lot of people. And I think that it's really up for a lot of people now, ever since, you know, social media and, and all that, because we're all looking, you know, you put stuff out there and you're looking for that approval. You're looking for that respect and approval and to be esteemed by others. And once you start to rely on that, it's kind of like, you know, once you stop using your own muscle, it starts to atrophy and wither and it no longer provides you the strength and stability that you need. So if you're not cultivating it from within and you're relying on it from out there, then you're always going to be vulnerable to that. It's Right. Well, yeah, like especially the example you use with social media, it seems like that would be a great reflection of how we should feel about ourselves, right? How many followers do we have? How many people are interested in our life? How many likes did we get on that vacation we went to or whatever it was? That, it almost seems to, like we're at a point where that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. I'm great because people think I'm great and I look great and what I do is great, you know? Uh, right, right. That sounds very dangerous. I don't think at any at ever time in history has our self-worth been so tied to finances. What can you buy? Do you have a Louis Vuitton bag on Instagram? That kind of thing. Never before has it been so tied to how do our bodies look? Everybody's in pictures that are all Photoshopped. I mean, this mm -hmm. is a, a an epidemic. Yeah. It makes me wonder like what happens if all of that poof went away tomorrow. Oh God. Oh, please. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so awesome, Lori. Can you imagine if there was just no more social media pressure? I actually kind of do dream about that sometimes. I think what if it, you know, mm -hmm. one hacker, that's all it takes. One really good hacker. And you we're know, all done. and it, and it could happen. I mean, stranger yeah. things have happened. Lots of things have happened lately that we never thought would happen or are, you know, pending happening that we never thought would happen. So anything's possible. And it's, not, I mean, it's unlikely that it's going to poof, go away overnight, but again, we can never dream. Say, <laughs> we can dream, never say never. <laughs> and I, you know, and it is a double-edged sword because we're relying on it to, a lot of us are relying on it to share things that we really 
honestly want to use to help people. We want to- The things that we do get our self-worth from. Right, right. The things, yeah, that we find are of value to everyone and we want to lift each other up. So there's always the wonderful, you know, the healthy flip side of things, but but the other side of the coin is dark. Yeah. It's dark, especially for, I think, especially for, for younger people, kids that haven't, haven't had a chance yet in their life to really flex that muscle and strengthen it and, you know, get those types of values and and their self-esteem and their self-worth and their self-confidence in place before they start putting themselves up and holding themselves up to scrutiny. Because that's what happens when you put yourself out there. You're naturally, you're going to hold yourself up to scrutiny and you've got to be able to withstand that. If you want the good, you've got to also be able to withstand the negative stuff. And then you also can't become addicted to the good. Right. Cause really it all has kind of cultivated um, a belief that people's opinions are really important. You know, everyone's tweeting what they think about something or they're posting what they think about something. And so what they think about me must be really important too. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting one. I'm just, I'm going to just say one thing about that. We don't have to go off onto a tangent, but everybody's opinion, um, as much as we all like to flex our opinions, but what, what I've noticed the trend is to start calling it something different. And so now what it's being called is air quotes, my truth. (laughs) Yes. And it's so ridiculous. That's why I laugh. I mean, that's kind of, you know, it's kind of an oxymoron, right? Because if it's yours, what you're saying, I mean, really, if you were to put that in other words, you're saying the way I see it, this, the way I experience it, my opinion of it is, it's not, it's like saying, well, my truth is two plus two is five. That's actually not a truth. It's your perception, perhaps misguided because <laughs> it's not. So you can't call it a truth. <laughs> we don't have to be great at math to know that ain't right. <laughs> you could say my belief or, you know, I had this experience once where two plus two actually became five. And then you could explain that. I mean, there, we could go on and on about this, but you get it. My truth is another way of saying my opinion, my experience my perception. And none of those are factual truths all the time. So I'm I'm glad you pointed that out because that means we don't always have to see what someone says when they're speaking their truth and go, oh, okay, well, I can't, uh, I can't disagree with that because it's their truth. Right. Right. And, And that's what makes it difficult to have a, a mature and calm rational conversation when somebody is using verbiage like that, because it makes, you know, if you have, if you don't agree, then it automatically is making you somehow wrong. And so it's, it's promoting conflict and divisiveness rather than an understanding. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. I don't know how we got off on that. I guess I do. I, I went off on that, but <laughs> it's all about self-worth, Lori. That's where yeah, we're getting from so, these days. So yeah. So let's, we'll bring it back around to, to that. You know, I talk about this a little bit in my, in my book, Common Sense Happiness. There's, there's five principles. And the last one is called um, romance your life. And what that means is treat yourself as at least as well 
as you do the dog or your car. Um, you know, most people have a vehicle. Most people, a lot of people have pets. Um, pretty much most of us have a place to live. Maybe some of us have gardens. We all have these other things, right, that that we take care of, right? You you probably groom your pets, you feed them properly, you get them medical care when they need it, they you show them love and affection. Maybe even you take them out for regular walks or drive in the car, right? I mean, you take care of them. And and like with your car, you you probably make sure that you get regular oil changes and you put the right fuel in the tank because if you put the wrong fuel in the tank, you know, something bad is definitely going to happen. Uh, you take it to the mechanic if it needs work. You you just maintain it overall because you depend on it to get you where you want to go. So it's the same thing if you have a house, if you have a garden, if you have kids. So the question then is, do you treat yourself? Do you treat your body with the same amount of care and respect and maintenance as you do those things? Do you, do you believe that you have any less value than your car or your pet or your house or your kids? Are you aware of how much focus or neglect you are showing your own body, your physical well-being? Um, do you expect it to function at its best indefinitely, especially if you're not caring properly for it? That's easy to do. Like It's like, will your car or your, or your truck continue to perform as it was designed if you start putting corn syrup in the gas tank? No, it's not even a question. You know that. Will your pet thrive if you start feeding it a steady diet of, you know, cheeseburgers, fries, and soda and ice cream? No, it's going to develop the same diseases that people do, right? So I think, you know, when we, when we look at treating our body like it's a vehicle, I mean, then if you look at it that way, that's something that you want to take care of. You, you, we want our bodies to be able to take us places, to, to change things, to create things, to live a life, to raise a family if you want. So it only makes really good sense to regularly focus a lot of TLC on it. Right. Well, because a lot like a car, maybe we don't really care uh, if it's running well and, and all the things until it breaks down. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then you care when you, yeah. when you're on your way somewhere important and you go to get in your vehicle and it's not taking you anywhere. I mean, that is a very frustrating position to be in. Right. So right. then you're, you're late. You got a, probably a big mechanics bill and you wish that you would have just gotten that oil change six months ago. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Now you need a new engine. It's not, yeah. it's not pretty. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I think so the TLC though is 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 a good thing to keep in mind. And when I say TLC, um I'm talking about total logical care. Like tender loving care is nice, but total logical care I think is better because tender loving care like TLC can easily be confused with license to overindulge in self-sabotaging behavior in the name of self-care. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? It's a fine line there. It's a fine line. It's that fourth glass of wine when you're really stressed. Yeah, yeah. In that, in that, uh, like flourless chocolate cake and whatever, you know, whatever. That sounds so good right now, by the way. <laughs> anyway. Uh oh, Lori, ask yourself what's really going on with Lori. Exactly. What's happening here? <laughs> so, yeah. So I think, I think total logical care might be a much better acronym or, you know, the TLC when related to that, uh, when it comes to this kind of thing, so that you really do um, keep it between the lines. All right. And, you know, and it's more important than ever right now because people are getting sick. People are getting sick and from something, you know, that, that's called a virus right now. But the jury in my mind is still out on exactly what that is, um, especially after the, some of the conversations we've had lately, uh, like with Dr. Tom Cowan, he was just on. So you do have to be, I think you have to really place this at the top of your list of priorities. All change to your physical state must begin in your mind. That's where we're going to go next with this. If you try to change things from the outside first, it doesn't work. It doesn't last. It, it is not lasting effective change. And you know, that's what we're all about here. The antidote to feeling stuck or being stuck begins with a shift in your thinking. So in order to even consider putting um, measures into place to up-level your health and you know, with some of the things that we talked about, then you've got to, you've got to start up here. The, the mind shift is the beginning point, that pillar that pillar has to be strengthened. That pillar has to be focused on. And I, I love you guys out there that are listening that are a Course in Miracles fan. I know that you're, uh, there's a lot of them. I love the Course in Miracles. I don't know if you, if we've ever talked about that before, Christy, but. I don't think we haven't, to be honest with you. I'm not familiar with it at all. Can you give me like a little, a little cheat sheet? Well, really? I mean, it's, it's, it's massive. It um, I, it's yes, yes. So you know, if you are familiar with Marianne Williamson, um, oh, she is. Oh, she I know is, Marianne. Right, Marianne <laughs> Williamson is like the most most well known, foremost teacher of A Course in Miracles. There are a lot of wonderful, amazing teachers of the course out there, but she's probably the most well known. And so, if you've ever heard her speak, that's the foundation that she's coming from. Um, I and that. It's, yeah, it's really, um, it's a mindset training spiritual book. And it's, it's so phenomenal that I actually can't, I can't even sum it up to put it into a succinct. It's, it's that deep and broad and amazing. So I'm not even going to try. That's all I'm going to say about it. Because no, it's, you, you did it. I'm sold. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in. So, so, um, but I'm I'm a big fan. I've I've gone through the course um, a couple of times, and I have. There's like six lines in there that I think are absolutely phenomenal, and they and they are um, they are perfect tie-ins to what we're just talking about. So, number one is the course says you are responsible for what you think. Now we can relate that 
to um, what what we think about ourselves and how we value ourselves. You know, like we were just talking about, as much as um, as much as your car, your pet, your children, your house. Uh, so how you think about those things is how you value them, and so you can relate that again to to yourself. How you're responsible for it not not somebody else like we talked about even getting you know getting all of that from outside sources it's all up here um the second line is it's only at this level that you can exercise choice which i think is really interesting as well so the the premise is your body our body responds to what the mind tells it to do that's the teaching and that's the teaching of not only a course of miracles but that's a teaching of a lot of um a lot of holistic healers and a lot of naturopaths and it's not an uncommon it's not an uncommon belief um your body responds to what your mind tells it to do your mind will give directives and make decisions based on its beliefs and past experiences so again if your beliefs don't change and your perceptions um, of past experiences don't change you can't expect effective and lasting change to occur so it's it's only at this level that you can exercise choice again it refers to what you are thinking so exercise your freedom of choice to choose your thoughts if you have thoughts constantly of i have a weak immune system i get sick easily i catch everything that goes around i'm going to get this i am going to catch that it always happens you are literally training your body to do exactly that and that's what your experience will be mm -hmm. make sense yeah, it does. Um, I think when I was a little less enlightened before I had, you know, spent so many podcasts with Lori Bischoff, I kind of thought that we can't control our thoughts, you know, that that's what pops into our brain. And then it's up to us to kind of do the right thing with it, change the thought. Mm -hmm. uh, but now I realize that it's the emotion that we can't control, but then the thought that we choose to take the perspective that we choose to take on from the emotion that we really do have control of that. I'm still going to cut that out too, because I was stupid too. No, no, no. I just keep talking, Lori. I'm gonna stop talking now. No, I thought I thought that was good. I think you had you had it. You did have it. Um, you want to take one more run at it? No, I'm sorry. Just keep you sure? Yeah. Oh my gosh, that was good. <laughs> We're both like, oh, can we just get through yeah, this? Lights on. I know. I had to open my window, and it snowed out today. But it was so hot in my room that it's only like 35 degrees out. My window's open. Okay. Oh, I love that. Okay, sorry. Getting us okay. back on track. Okay, so let me see. Where was I? Let me grab my notes here so I'm not like all discombobulated. Um, okay, so what I said last before you said something was exercise your freedom of choice to choose your thoughts. Right? Yeah, so I, I like that because I think I, I used to think that we couldn't choose our thoughts, that it was up to us to do the right thing with the thoughts, but that we weren't controlling them, you know, like acknowledging that they shape our perspective, but that we can't control what we think. Mm -hmm. um, but am I right here that really yeah. what we can't control is our emotion, and then we have to have the right thought when the emotion happens? So I think it's kind of, it, there's actually a two 
two points of entry there to what you just said. Yes, yes, with practice, we can control our thoughts. However, there are also plenty of thoughts. I mean, we have like thousands and thousands of <laughs> thoughts floating through our mind every day. And if you think you're going to be able to control every single one, you're going to get frustrated because you're not likely going to be able to do that. But what's important is that you catch the ones that you're dwelling on. Mm -hmm. It's not the ones that are floating through your mind that there's not a lot of real emotion attached to that can, you know, steer you down a path. It's the ones that you are dwelling on with emotion that you want to pay attention to. Now, if you are dwelling on something that's good, that's positive, and it's generating positive emotion, Awesome. Why would you want to stop? But if you're dwelling, if you get stuck on something that is really bothering you and it's generating because you're dwelling on it, which are just thoughts you're thinking over and over about it, you're replaying something or you're, you know, afraid of something coming up and you're playing out a story in your head of what you think it might be and you're generating, you know, fear or whatever or anger or whatever. So those are the things that you want to be aware of because those are the ones that are gonna generate those uncomfortable emotions that are not productive and not empowering. So the trick is not to try to control every single thought that floats through your brain. It, that's <laughs> That would be really <laughs> difficult and unnecessary by the way. <laughs> it, but the trick is to catch the ones that you know are starting to make you feel in some way of a negative state, a negative emotion, negative current. And it's, and the more you dwell on it, the more it builds. That's, so you, does that answer really your question? Self-aware. Yeah. 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 So, okay. So what you, but I guess that kind of leads us into the next one, which is what you do comes from what you think. So, you know, we, we kind of covered a lot of that before, but said another way, um, your behavior is is based on what you talk yourself in and out of. So you will talk yourself in or out of things based on what you're thinking about, what you're really dwelling on. Your thoughts stem from your beliefs, right? And your beliefs are rooted at their very core in either fears or love fears or love about yourself, about others, about your place in the world. So it's important to investigate your beliefs. If you have a tendency to dwell on something that is somehow generating negative emotions and you're not sure why or what's up with that or why something keeps, um, you know, like triggering you to feel a certain way. That means you've got some deep beliefs in there that you might want to investigate because they might be rooted in something that you haven't processed yet or healed or applied in a, a more productive or empowering meaning to. Make sense? Yeah, it does. I think sometimes we think things aren't bothering us and they are. Yeah. If they keep coming up, they are. They are. And it may be something that needs to come up with somebody else if it involves somebody else, or it may just be that the individual has some reframing to do and has to come to terms with that, uh, you know, some sort of healing. And a lot of times, like I mentioned before, that that involves applying a new meaning to the experience that keeps making you feel like that. Because otherwise you drag that into the 
current experiences with current people and they may not deserve that. Oh, I like that's a good point. Because you're coming from something in the past and you're and you're overlaying it to everything in the present. Mm -hmm. Wow. And right. And then then if it has to do with another person, you look at them and go, you're triggering me. How fair is that? <laughs> right? Nobody wants to hear that. No, I mean, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of understanding that needs to happen there um, from more than one place, not just the person who's been accused of making you feel in a bad way. That means if you're being if you're being triggered, another overused word, then you probably still have some work to do yourself. And it's not fair to blame other people for the way you keep deciding to feel. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's, that's my take anyway. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I got to say, Lori, this all sounds like it's going to take a little time. You know, we got to, we got to become self-aware. We got to do a little self-reflective. We got to really think about what's bothering us. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you know, we do, if we want to grow, we do, if we want to evolve, we do, if we want to, um, become better versions of ourselves, if we want to become more spiritually mature, you know, if we just want to become the best human we can be, then yes, it takes a lot of self-reflection and it takes a lot of um, willingness to look honestly at your own stuff. Mm -hmm. Most people are really busy. Not, I shouldn't say most, I'll say a lot because I don't know, um, you know, out of all of the <laughs> billions of people on the planet, I don't know what the exact percentage is, but what we do know that's obvious to everyone is that frequently, Many times we will point our spotlight out there on everybody else and expect out, outside things to change, our outer world, people out there to change without doing the work ourselves. We want everybody else to clean up their house, but our house is a mess. That really speaks to me because I kind of feel like, um, you know, listening to you and all your great guests, I, I know all the things to do. I know where stress comes from. I know about fear. I know I have to reflect. I, I I have all the tools, but I just have them from, you know, from my work, from hearing them through all of you guys. And I've never really taken the time to implement a lot of them. So when things come up in my life and I know that I'm handling something wrong or I'm, I've taken the wrong perspective, I know that, but I also have never taken the time to try to change that. So it just creates a lot of frustration. And really, I'm kind of realizing right now, saying this to you, that if I would take the time and implement all the things that I've learned from, from you and your great guests and, and books and podcasts, and you know, there's so much stuff out there, but to actually take it in and do it, then I wouldn't be so frustrated. You know, I'm always like, Christy, you know, you're not handling this the right way. But I'm also not making the changes to handle stuff in the right way the next time. Yeah. Well, and you know, it, it, it takes, um, it takes practice. It really does. And it, it takes, uh, it's not usually something that you just flip a switch over the course of a weekend and all of a sudden, you know, ta-da, you know, look at me, mom. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a new person. I'm, a book. I'm good now. <laughs> right. So it does, it does, uh, take a lot of practice, it, but, it, but this brings us to the next point, the next, um, from A Course in Miracles. Number four, you must, um, you must, change your mind, not your behavior. And this is a matter of willingness. So willingness is key. I mean, you can't change your mind about things. And like, to your point, you know, you know, all these things, but 
you have to have the willingness then to to change your mind and then follow up with how you know the the how you're going to move forward so i mean it's hard and 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 it, changing your mind again goes back to um investigating our beliefs and expanding our knowledge. Sometimes there's some things we need to learn because we just don't understand how to do that. We may go, yeah, I'm I'm willing to do that, um, but I'm not sure exactly where to start. So you have to then be willing to expand your knowledge. You, you have to be willing to consider that there is maybe just uh, a better way to achieve your goals or achieve what it is you're, you know, trying to trying to create in your life. You must be willing to change your mind in order to have lasting success at changing your behavior. Willingness is a big part of it. All right, we'll work on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're willing. I think you are. And I, I have no doubt that you probably are getting better at some of the things that you were referring to and you're just, you know, it's not moving fast enough maybe, but you know what? It's an ongoing process. <laughs> Impatience is another one of my issues. Yes. <laughs> it's an ongoing process and it should be probably the rest of your life. Cause you, you don't ever want to get to a point where you feel like, all right, I've got it figured out. I've got my whole self figured out. I got my relationship to everybody else and the world figured out. I know it all. Cause now you're unteachable and now you hit a plateau and that's not necessarily good either. So I think being willing to be a lifelong student of, of personal development, of personal growth, of, you know, understanding, you know, others, um, mm -hmm. our relationship, the dynamics of our relationships. I mean, I think that that's still really important. And there's always going to come, there's always going to come up something with someone that's going to test you a little and, and, and really see if you are practicing what you preach or if you, what you think you've learned, if you can put it to play, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's a good reminder because it kind of takes the pressure out of like, okay, I have to get there now. I have to figure out what my issue is and, you know, fix it right now and, and be good. And then I'll be at that place uh, kind of taking on the idea that we're always going to be students of this and we're always going to be improving just makes me feel a little better. Take the pressure yeah. off. Yeah, trust me. I mean, is as recently as, as last week, um, or was it earlier this week? I mean, literally less than a week ago. Uh, you know, I I had um, I had some some communication stuff come up with with Eric, and uh, and I was like, I can't I can't believe that after all this time together, when I think we've really got it dialed in good, and all of a sudden, oh, there was a little hiccup, there was a speed bump. But the good news is, you know, I go, all right, how could I have done that better? Uh, I self-reflected smart. What was my role in this? You know, and we sort we sorted everything out quickly, whereas maybe, you know, 30 years ago, it could have not been sorted out and come back to harmony so quickly. But because we've been practicing for a long, long time and we continue to practice, at least then if you do hit a speed bump, you can come to a peaceful and harmonious and understanding, you know, a, a point of resolution quickly and then you let it go. You did, then you no longer are going to be dwelling on it and generating negative emotions. So I think just being willing to always self self reflect and go deep and be be willing to consider that even if you the more you know, the more you 
know that there's more to know and right. you are still going to make mistakes. Yeah. Wow. Well, I really like to hear that because you and Eric, to me, are kind of ultimate relationship goals, mostly because you both seem so incredibly happy as individuals yeah. and together. So to hear that even you guys still have the occasional hiccup, but that you make a point of acknowledging that, figuring out what happened and working through it so that it doesn't happen again, that's really inspiring. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just think um, it's just unless you are avoiding things or you have your head in the sand that's bound to happen and so you know you you figure it out and you don't bring past experiences and past baggage you've sorted you know you've done your work you've sorted through it and then when you hit the speed bump you go hmm okay what's my responsibility what's yours how do we how do we <laughs> you know just work it out all right good everybody's everybody has understanding now everybody understands the other person's you know viewpoint and harmony is restored and you move on so L let me ask you how the people who are listening if they don't have a partner who's willing to uh, take on be on that journey with them how do they make sure they're good or um that they heal from something that happened or that it doesn't happen again when their partner won't work with them well, that's a, I mean, that's a good question. And it's, it's pretty, that's a deep question because, you know, it really, there's a lot of circumstances that could be involved. Um, you know, I think that, I think that in order to have a, a harmonious, respectful relationship, both people in the relationship must be willing to to do their own work mm -hmm. and to create an understanding of their partner and their partner's needs. I mean, there's a lot that goes into that. If after a, a long a, a period of time, I won't say long because that's, that's relative, but if after a period of time, it, it seems to be obvious that one person is not willing to step up, to grow, to be there, and the other person is, sometimes, you know, it's not going to go the distance and that's just life. Not everybody is meant to be a lifetime assignment in your life. Right. You know? And I'm sure that can apply to toxic friendships or even family members, coworkers. I mean, we sure. don't all, we can't always control who we're around and the way that they're going to respond. And we can't always count on the fact that the other people are going to want to have a harmonious um, coexistence as well. Right. Yeah. I mean, sometimes people are just in your life for, um, for a few minutes, um, for a brief period of time. Sometimes it's for a season. Sometimes it's for a lifetime. Uh, you know, every, it does, there's not one right way. There's only the way that works well for you. And so sometimes, you know, people aren't meant to be together for their entire lives and that's okay. That's okay. You, you know, I, you, but, but right. and what, so what you're saying is you still take it upon yourself to mm -hmm. acknowledge that in the situation you're in. And just because they won't work with you or they won't become a little more enlightened, you still have to take that responsibility on yourself to change things. Yes. Yes. Thank you for bringing that back. Yes. That doesn't absolve anyone from doing their own work just because he or she or they or whomever isn't doing theirs. That's not licensed for you to be like, Fuck it, I'm not doing it either then. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's let's ju let's just be toxic. 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to behave badly too then. Mm, yeah. You're, you know, you know, in your, in your heart, you know, in your soul, you know, in your spirit, when you are not living up to what you know, you could live up to, That's you know, true. yeah. And so to put a, um, to put a ceiling on your own, on your own growth and on your own ability to rise to your higher potential because somebody else is behaving badly is, is a, it's a poor excuse. It's, mm -hmm. it's lazy. And probably kind of a slippery slope, right? There's people well, behaving badly all around us if we're going to follow them. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, how does that help anyone? How does that help? How does that help not only you, but the people around you, people that you do care about? How does it help? You know, we, we influence other people by our demonstration, by how we show up in the world. So, you know, you should be showing up the way that you would hope other people will show up. Right. Oh, and that's a good point. And so maybe we will inspire them to come along with us in, in growth and enlightenment. Yeah, yeah. It also, not only do you inspire people, but um, yeah, you give them, you give them almost permission where they feel like maybe they didn't have permission before to take a, you know, take a step to toward another level. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and is that um, a situation where looking to other people, not for your self-worth, but maybe you can give someone else a nod, like, Hey, you're worth doing this work on yourself. You deserve yeah. to be happy. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's like, who doesn't want to hear that? How, you know what I mean? E even if you feel like you're already doing that, it's, it's nice to share that kind of vibe with people. It just, you know, there's a lot of talk about, you know, raising the collective consciousness and, and, um, and I think that that's happening. It's been happening for a while now, but, but we still have to remember that we're all part of that. It's a collective. So again, we, you know, we have to refrain from pointing the spotlight out at everybody else and, you know, blaming or pointing out how someone else is showing up in a way that you don't think is worthy or, you know, or somehow good or like you. Again, it's back to doing our own work and how are you showing up and how are you demonstrating the things that you want to see more of in the world? How are you demonstrating compassion and understanding and forgiveness and, you know, giving those things to other people to help everyone become more uplifted? A oh. circle. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There's a, there's two more. Um, from A Course in Miracles. Number five, change does not mean anything at the symptom level where it cannot work. So what, what it says is if the symptom is that your physical body is in some aspects unwell, that you are not in the physical condition or state of health you think you should or want to be, then understand that compartmentalizing your body and trying to enact change only to your body cannot have lasting results. So external manifestation, which is the effect, is a result of what's going on internally. That's the cause. So to change the symptom, the cause must be changed. That's, um, 
Well, that's, that could be a whole other podcast too. Cause now we're, now we can talk about, you know, we can talk about health when it comes to that as well. I mean, that's, that's the whole thing. So we're back to our, our health, our fitness, our mental fitness, our spiritual fitness, our physical fitness. All of these things are an effect of, of a cause and the cause is got to be shifted. If you want those things to shift the mental in the mental, in the mind. Last one, correction belongs only at the level where change is possible. And I repeat, in the mind, A Course in Miracles. There you have it. <laughs> so so I, think, um, I think we're back to um, shift your thinking. It's the antidote to being stuck, right? All right. Any final thoughts before we call it a wrap? Uh, you know, it's funny how we always seem to come back to like taking responsibility for your own stuff and um, yeah, that had how we are all really in control. We are all in the driver's seat, whether we acknowledge that and take responsibility for it or not. Mm -hmm. And um, really at the end of the day, I think we could take that in and feel like it's a lot of responsibility or again, like, oh, we have a lot of work to do and we're just, we're not a perfect human yet, but really it's good news. It's empowering, you know, yeah. that it is up to us and we can change things simply by changing our thoughts and changing our perspective. Yeah. I think that that is so key because that is where the real freedom lies. The freedom, having that feeling of freedom and independence which I think runs through the core of most people as far as what they yearn for is freedom and independence. And it starts with, you know, changing your mind because we can, we have the choice to do that. We haven't, well, okay. I was going to say something that again would spin us off into a whole other tangent, but, but unless you've been brought up in a country where you are indoctrinated from the time you were born, then it makes it really hard to change your mind because you don't know you can. You've been taught exactly what to think. And that's a dangerous, that's a very dangerous thing because once you, once you don't feel like or even know, once you're not aware that you have that choice, the choice to change your mind about something, the choice, um, the choices as to what you want to think about anything. Now you will, uh, now you will always be um, a, a victim of somebody else's choices for you. And nobody, nobody can thrive and rise to their full potential under those conditions. Mm -hmm. We have to be able to be free to make choices, be it be they good or bad, be they right or wrong. We have to have the freedom to figure that out and to explore, to make our choices and then go from there. That's my thought. All right. That's, that's a great thought, Lori. All right. We'll leave it at that. Oh my goodness. Well, I, I don't know um, if that was too all over the map for everyone, but hopefully, <laughs> hopefully you got something out of it. I think you probably did. And I think that especially, um, 
people that are familiar with the Course in Miracles will really resonate with this. I think people that are into, you know, understanding the power of our minds will really resonate with this. And for those that maybe this is kind of new, this is really good stuff to really think about and explore more. So thanks everyone for hanging out. Thanks for, uh, thanks for talking through this with me today, Christy. That was fun. Uh, I mean, again, another complimentary coaching session for Christy. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> awesome. All right, everyone. Well, if you found value in the show, please spread the good shift around and share it with everybody you know. Make sure to subscribe if you haven't already. And of course, we would love some um, five-star ratings in your review. That inspires other people to listen to all the good shift being shared here too. And until next week, stay feisty, my friends. Stay fit and go make some epic shift happen in your lives. You too, Mr. Gary Vee.